Hello, I'm Rob Beckett. And I'm Josh Whittacombe. Welcome to Parents in Hell, the show in which Josh and I discuss what it's really like to be a parent, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, to make ourselves, and hopefully you, feel better about the trials and tribulations of modern day parenting, each week we'll be chatting to a famous parent about how they're coping. Or hopefully how they're not coping. And we'll also be hearing from you, the listener, with your tips, advice, and of course, tales of parenting woe. Because let's be honest, there are plenty of times when none of us know what we're doing. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Spectrum Business works with small businesses nationwide. So we know that running your own business means doing it all. Marketing, sales, inventory, customer service, and more. Spectrum One for Business helps you keep it all connected for just $49.99 a month. Get fast, reliable internet, advanced Wi-Fi with security shield, and a free mobile line for one low price. Stay connected and do it all with Spectrum One for Business. Only $49.99 a month. Go to spectrum.com slash business to learn more. Restrictions apply. Service is not available in all areas. Hello, you're listening to Parenting Hell with... Iris, can you say Rob Beckett? Rob Beckett. And can you say Josh Widdicombe? Josh Widdicombe. Well done. Well done. A lovely one there, Josh. Yeah, shall I read it out? Go for it. Hi, you sexy, relatable fools. Here is my 21-month-old Iris saying your name. So my partner and I love your podcast. I've been listening since Iris was born, November 2021. Since then, we've had another daughter, Ada, 19 months younger than Iris. So we're now struggling through the madness of two under two. Listening to you always lightens the load and makes us laugh. Jess, I'm from Birmingham, but we now live in Stratford-upon-Avon. Oh, it's a strange bit of information. I'm from Birmingham, now live in Stratford-upon-Avon. Quite close, aren't they, those things? Yeah, it's sort of like, it's not too far, is it? It's a bit fancier, isn't it? But is it, or is it just a tourist destination? I don't know. Um, I imagine on the outskirts, it's got some absolutely bog-standard terrace three-bedroom houses that looks like it could be anywhere in the country. However, if you Google it, it looks so bloody Shakespeare. Yeah, so <laughs> bloody Shakespeare. I went on an open-top bus tour of Stratford-upon-Avon. Yeah, who made Matt you do that? Ford. Matt Ford? When we was at gigging, and we ended up uh, getting off at the industrial estate and having a pizza hut or you can eat buffet. <laughs> It's what the bard would have wanted, Rob. It's what the bard... So did you see the pizza and you were like, fuck it, let's get off? Yeah, and to be honest, that was the only thing we saw because Stratford, I'd say, is big enough to wander around and get what you want from it. It doesn't... It's not Valencia. No. No. It doesn't need a sightseeing bus. No. I had a bus incident this week, Rob. Go on. So Tuesday, I was looking after my son. I was like, I'll take him to the cinema because he likes to go into... There's like... The Hackney Picture House put on toddler cinema. 
which is right. generally just a few episodes of CBeebies. Yeah. And it's a bit sort of carnage in there. It doesn't matter because they're all young kids. It's not like you're well, ruining anyone. Well, it was just him on his own. But yeah. <laughs> sure. I, I got him all hyped for the cinema and then the cinema wasn't on. They weren't oh, no. showing it that day. But then I realised... You've got a telly. No, the, oh. the bit he likes about the cinema is getting the bus to the cinema, Rob. Right, okay. So I thought, well, I'll just get the bus. Yeah, okay. So I said, I'll get him the bus to the park. And he didn't want to go to the park. So basically, Rob, the park. Yeah, I just got the bus yeah. to the end of the line and then yeah. got the bus back. And he liked it? He had the fucking time of his life, mate. <laughs> my, my daughters keep saying, when can we go on a double-decker bus again? Yeah, we went upstairs on the double-decker bus. Yeah. He looked out the window. We went all the way to the end of the 277. Yeah. Got off. There was a park he then wanted to go to, which was fucking rough, mate. It was like... <laughs> it's like... You know when you see someone who's like... In a film or something, who's got off the wrong stop in New York, and you're like, yeah, you're a fucking goner. Everyone's staring, yeah. Yeah. And there was a park with two blokes that I presumed were doing a drug deal in it. Sure, absolutely. But actually, when we got up closer, uh, one of them was trying to convert the other one to Christianity. It was quite a weird morning, all things considered. So we went to this park. Yeah. One guy was trying to convert another to Christianity. Absolutely. On the swings? And then we got... On the swings. And then we got back on the bus. And we just went all the way home. And it's honestly... He had the fucking time of his life, Rob. Well, so my kids want to go on a double-decker bus, but because we live in the countryside, now, there's one single-decker bus that yeah, comes, like, twice right. a day, so I'll have to drive into town. Well, maybe you should live in zone two, Rob. I should drive... Yeah, but I'm going to have to drive into town. I'm going to say um, that your son and my children getting on a double-decker bus will lose its fun at some point. I don't know, Rob. I there's don't a lot of used on those buses. <laughs> There's a lot of teenagers enjoying those buses, mate. So you're suggesting teenagers love buses more than it's the only way they can get about? And it's free travel? It's not free, but yeah. For kids it is. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, Up to a certain is. age. But yeah. I just found out, basically, once you get to five or something, they've got to reply for their own Oyster card. But the Oyster Fuck card is now. free, but they have to have it. Because I used to just like go, oh, let no, them through. That's... But you're not supposed to do that once they get to a certain age. They're supposed to have their own... So my girls got their own Oyster card, which they absolutely love. Yeah. I tell you what is bullshit, right? Yeah. Is every year to pay you have to pay ten pounds to tell tra- town transport for London your car's electric. Do you? And then you have to you have to pay ten pounds for the admin fee to go it's electric, even though the cameras can tell if your car's ULES or not. It can't tell if it's electric. There's a bit of green on the number plate, mate. That's how everyone knows. This is um. um anyway, we've, we've, it's turned into LBC again. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. A, you know, that's the problem as you get older, though. You just become miserable old men. That's the danger of this podcast. Josh. I'm trying not to be a miserable old man. And do you know how I'm well, trying? Well, you know that, what? Rob? Try harder. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying, I had a lovely time on the bus there and back. <laughs> You're a happy old man. I'm a happy old. Oh, do you know what I'm being, Rob? What? I'm trying to be more Carol Vorderman. Oh, lovely link that. That's what yeah. we've got now. She's very positive, Carol Vorderman. She said she likes young people and she yeah. is inspired by them and she's not afraid of them or uh, resentful them. of them. Yeah. And that's what we've got to be, Rob. True. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. What are you trying to do the link to get into Carol Vorderman now? Or do you want me to, I've got a boomer story I was going to read out. I don't yeah, know what to do. I've gone, I've gone too early. Yeah, I'd say you've gone too early with trying to get it into the guest. 
Yeah, that was an hour of judgment. <laughs> Let me do these boomers, and then we'll get into Carol Vorderman, yeah? Morning, Josh and Rob. Having listened to your recent episode about slipping parenting standards as you have more children, I have a story about my dad. My dad had a game he used to enjoy when bored while carrying me as a baby. In a crowded era, he would shout, catch, and rugby pass me to another <gasps> no. unsuspecting dad. No, no, no. His favourite place seemed to be after church while people milled about chatting. He says he enjoyed the thrill he got seeing the panic in their face. Of course. His justification is that he only did it to people he knew could catch. <laughs> Fuck off. Fuck off. Although I argue the baby's very different to a tennis ball, safe to say my older siblings were never used as sporting equipment. In his defence, his, his screening process must have merit as I was never dropped. All the best, Matt. I, even if it was like Ben Stokes, I don't want to throw my baby to them. Do you know what I mean? No, even David Seaman, I wouldn't launch my child. Um, Do you know who I would launch my child to, Rob? Carol Vorderman? Carol Vorderman. <laughs> Carol Vorderman. And on the subject of Carol Vorderman. <laughs> oh, lovely stuff. <laughs> I was going to do a parenting hack, though. Did you not want that? Yeah, on the subject of Carol Vorderman, she loves a parenting hack. And oh, she'd love yes, to hear one before stuff. she comes <laughs> on for our Absolutely lovely. <laughs> Hello, Robert Josh. I've got a nice parenting hack for you and Carol Vorderman. Oh, that's very forceful. <laughs> Me and my husband have a special movie night TV in our bedroom, which we use to treat our two daughters, four and six, to a late night movie at the weekend. Oh, lovely. When actually what happens is we do their dinner an hour earlier, send them up to watch their movie and then get them into bed around the same time as they would be anyway. They think they're getting a special treat by staying up later and we get an extra hour's peace in the evening while they're cosy up in our bed watching a movie of their choice. Oh. I'm dreading the day they learn to tell time. Yeah. Much love. Layla from Portsmouth. Oh, enjoy it. Have you got a TV in your room, Rob? We do, and I absolutely fucking love it. Yeah. I, 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 Not I, even for bedtime. I'm really... What? It's got Sky on it, Josh, and I go up there to watch football when I pretend I'm doing something else. Oh, my word, Rob. And I, the other day, I just laid up there and I watched Bournemouth play Chelsea. Lou went, what are you doing? I went, just a few things. I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> Not one thing. <laughs> and do you, do you know who loves doing things? Who? Carol Vorderman. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely didn't know where that was going. That's how thick I am. <laughs> Fuck it now. Wouldn't stick you on the fucking numbers and letters, mate. Yeah, no. <laughs> Here we are. Carol Vorderman. Uh, we love Carol Vorderman. It's a oh, really good episode. She's brilliant. What a woman. Um, what a woman. What a woman. Um, enjoy Carol Vorderman. Right. Thanks so much for doing this, Carol. We're very excited. Do you know what? I'm going to use the words we, we occasionally throw around, Rob. National treasure. <laughs> oh, do you know what? Absolutely. Yeah. The yes. second person ever on Channel 4, Carol Vorderman. Hello. Boom. There we go. <laughs> Is that true? Is that a real fact? Well, Richard introduced it as one countdown to a new channel ends, so a new countdown begins. Oh, what a line. I know. It was a hell of a line. Then the next line was two from the top. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. And then when Channel 5 was opening up, because he was very proud, he was the first man on Channel 4, as he should be. Mm. And then he tried to persuade the then boss, Dawn Airy, who's wonderful, if he could also be the first person on Channel 5. <laughs> he was trying to make <laughs> 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 I'll write that, actually. 
do yeah, that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, you do. So, well, I don't see why not, darling. I don't see why not. Yeah, but you're on Channel 4 every afternoon with me, Richard. Well, yes, but would it be lovely if I could also be the first person Amazing. on Channel 5? Amazing. It would be so weird if you were just on Channel 5 for the first bit and then just went back to Channel 4 every week. Like, for no reason. <laughs> also, like, it's quite a funny thing to sort of say out loud. Like, imagine if I did that, but actually pursue it is madness, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> him wasn't it you know yeah yeah did you ever meet him either of you no i never met him him. what was he like i was amazing honestly i could do you an hour about richard whiteley but it was like um you'd have loved him because he's a one-off yeah you know it's a completely one-off and when we started which was 41 years ago jesus i was like 21 and he would have been something like late 30s then and he'd been on the local news program, which was called Calendar, yeah. for years and years and years. Yeah. And he'd worked his way up to, he was like Mr. Yorkshire, you know. And he used to host the Calendar show. So he was he was a really good political journalist. And he was very much a Tory back in the Margaret Thatcher fan, you know. Yeah. So he was quite pompous when we started <laughs> in 1982. And it took about six years to like burst the bubble. But once we pricked his pomposity, or rather I had, that was when it just started to flow. You know? Yeah. It was like, come on, writers, you know, and the stuff we got up to was was just wonderful. It was just and and funny, proper funny, you know. You're like you two when you just you break down laughing and you just kind of yeah. then you go, What the hell were we laughing at? And all that. We yeah. were like that all oh. the time. I miss that. I miss that a lot. Yeah. I do. It must be the longest you work with anyone, right? Well, yes, it would have been 23 years, yeah. 23 yeah. years? Yeah. Blimey. Yeah. Do you still watch it and do the maths? Well, no, I mean, a lot of people ask me that. Oh, sorry, Carol. Yeah, fucking well, shit question, Josh. We've got such a great role, and then you've gone and done know. that. Sorry about him, Carol. It's a natural question. <laughs> <laughs> like, <gasps> <laughs> no, I don't know. Because uh, it's 15 years since I was yeah. Yeah. You know, on it. And it's not anything to do with Countdown. It's just like life moves on, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. of course. As you will find, when your children get older, you'll go, life moves on. Huh? Yeah. You will. Oh, yeah. You will. So how old are your children, Carol? Mine are 26, that's Cameron, and 31, Katie. So they are proper sort of grown-ups, gone through Well, would education. you define that as a grown-up? I mean, I, I can only ask you to. Are you now grown-ups? I'd say yes. I think, yeah, I think I am, I'm a yeah. grown-up. Do you, Josh? Yeah, I do. I'm 40. No. Yeah. yeah. Bloody hell. Yeah, no. What happened there? Is that a panic in you, Carol? What happened there? Yeah, it is, really. Because I think of Josh as <laughs> like, oh, like, baby-faced Josh, you know, like that. Yeah. It's like, oh, baby-faced. No, he's, an, he's rotten. He's like a raisin now. It's <laughs> falling apart. How old are you, Rob? I'm 37. Oh, so you're a baby. Yeah. Yeah. So much younger. Ish. Three years. Yeah. But is it? Well, I think being a grown-up is responsibilities. So a grown-up is when you have responsibilities. So it depends on what point in your life you have them. So if you've got two kids and a career you're really into at like 22, you have to be a grown-up from then, Yeah, essentially. Yeah, you do. So it's responsibilities. Do you think it's the having the children? Yeah. Or someone to be responsible for? 
I think it's responsibilities, and then that normally comes kids are the biggest responsibility you can have. They are a lifetime. Yeah, I don't think career's that much of a responsibility. Even a mortgage ends at some point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, probably not at the moment, but it's supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what I just watched, just talking about mm. kids, is the uh, Tyson Fury at home with the Furies on Netflix. That was mad. It's amazing. It's crazy, isn't it? Six kids. Have you seen it, Josh? No. Is it unbelievable? If you haven't, they're remarkable. I'd just fallen in love with them. I'd be quite happy happy to watch one of those shows like every week you know forever just yeah. seeing the kids grow up well the mad thing is though there's like six kids and they keep yeah. moaning about how mental and busy it all is <laughs> and that the, the house is crazy and then they go yeah when they get to 13 we don't send them to school anymore i'm like well fucking send them to school to that bother. but i know it's <laughs> traveler tradition but if it's really annoying you there's literally a school open all day just send them there <laughs> or stop having kids six kids yeah six and I believe that Paris Fury, who's amazing, yeah. is now pregnant with the seventh. Bloody yes. hell. And they're only young. We've had her on, haven't we? We had her on here. I think they want 10 kids. They want 10 kids. That's the aim. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Josh, your voice just went back to pre-13. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> his voice matched his face then. <laughs> Elevate every morning with Tommy John's second skin underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Do you consider your kids grown up? Yeah, they are grown up now, yeah. So Cameron and I still live in Bristol, which is where I am yeah, now, yeah. together. And Katie, she was living in Cambridge for about 10 years. So she's a research scientist. But she's in London briefly at the moment. So I can't see an, unless and until she's a lot older with kids, her coming back to Bristol. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's what you want, though, to come, her to come back? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I... Yeah. I miss my Katie, but, you know, life is what life is, isn't it, really? It's difficult, isn't it? Yeah. So there's no grandkids at the moment? Katie and Cameron got no kids? No, no grandkids right. at the moment. No. Okay. No. And is that something you're excited for? Not really. Are <laughs> 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 you done it? time? Uh, it'll happen when it happens. Yeah. Yeah. No, but if she'd come home and said she obviously would be excited, yeah. but Oh god, yeah. If she said, Right, I'm pregnant with twins, I'm moving back to Bristol. Yeah. Because the easiest way for me to crack on is if I can just use you for four days a week childcare. Yeah. If that conversation happens, how'd you feel? Uh I'd feel all right about that. Yeah? Yeah, I would, yeah, because my mum my mum was single parent, they divorced my parents when I was a baby. So mum had three kids. 
my much older brother and sister and me to bring up by herself. So I was born in 1960 and, you know, we were proper poor, like proper, proper poor. Yeah. Hang on, you was born in 1960? Yeah, 1960. You're 63? You're not 63. You're 63. Uh, 63 in December, yeah. You're not 63, Carol Vorderman. You're fucking Benjamin Barn. You look younger now than you did on when you was 21. I don't understand how it works, Carol. <laughs> Botox. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Close. <laughs> okay, medical intervention. I get it. That makes sense. Sure, <laughs> but it's good. It looks good. Oh, well, that's very kind. But do you think though those photos of you when you're like 21 on Countdown though? Obviously, because it's like the style and the grainy images yeah, and the, the clothes is, back yeah. then and the shoulders. You look older there than you do now. I know. I think a lot of that's a style though, isn't it? Yeah, and the hairstyles and stuff. The yeah. So you were 23 when you started Countdown. 21, I was. 21? Yeah, 21, yeah. Oh, my word. Anyway, sorry, it was born in 1960. We got sidetracked by the Botox. Born in 1960. So, so anyway, so then my mum remarried my stepfather when I was about nine. So I grew up in North Wales. She says pointing towards North Wales, which means yeah. nothing to anybody watching. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So then when I graduated, about three weeks after I graduated, mum said, right, we're leaving Gabrielle, my stepfather, who I adored. Oh, are we? Again. And then she didn't let me go and see him again. So we moved to England at that point. Mm -hmm. So I've got my Cambridge degree and, and all of that. And then I just worried about my mum so much that we moved to Leeds. I got the job on Countdown. As soon as I was able to employ her, I was 25. Yeah. And so I employed my mum. Oh. And therein after, she worked for me and lived with us all through my marriage and everything until she died many years later. So we're used to, like my kids are used to, Nana being around. Right. So it's a real strong impact on their life, yeah. Nana. Yeah, it's a normal thing, yeah. When you say you employed her, was that off screen with a calculator giving the answers <laughs> in your ears? <laughs> Not my mother, no. 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 Uh, running the office. So she used to run my office for me, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's nice. Yeah. That's so nice. Were you a fun mum? I think I was. Although... So I was, how old was I? 31 and 36 when I had the kids mm. and married, very happily married. And at that time, my career, you've got to put it in context, really, because women my age were at sort of the bow wave of, you had to take all the crap, basically, all the mm. shit that everybody yeah. had to throw at you yeah. in order to sort of break through again and break through again. So you had to work, you had to like commit that that was your priority for want of a better word. Mm. So in my thirties, I worked all the hours God sent, you know, and it paid off, literally it paid yeah. off. But yeah. because mum lived with us, I didn't have to worry about the kids. They were always at home. Yeah. They weren't going else. Yeah. Well, going else. Not that that's a bad yeah. thing, but it, it, it was just that. But they don't feel like they're being looked after by anyone else. It's sort of all in house. Yeah. It's extended yeah. family. And I had a nanny as well because mum was in the office too. So, but the nanny would come to our house. So there were plenty of people around. But I think in those days, you know, like the thought of going to the park. Oh my god, I did it about three times with the kids. Push. Push. Hey, push. Welcome to my life. I hate the park. I hate the park. <laughs> I hate the park. But back 
then, back in the 1990s, you weren't allowed to say anything other than you were a bloody Stepford wife, you know, and sort of apologise for having to go to work right, and all that. yeah. And things have changed so rapidly. yeah. yeah. Now it's like yeah. So did you feel like did you get a lot of stick for being a career woman then and having a nanny and going to work? And, yeah, quite a bit. And that, how did that manifest? And how did it make you feel? Well, now I'm just really happy for younger women because they can go. No, I really want like my daughter. It's going to sound a bit weird, but she's a research scientist, so she's a postdoctorate. PhD in nanotechnology. God, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree there. That's the kind of job presumably you were headed to before countdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> of course, we used to um, do maths every morning when they were young. Really? Because I knew that, yeah. particularly as a girl, she'd always be asked, and I was on countdown, obviously, at that time. Yeah. I knew as soon as she went to school, people would be asking her math sums all the time. Yeah, the daughter of... The, yeah, uh, so oh, yeah. just like you've got to teach your kids some dad jokes. Yeah. Because they'll expect them to be funny. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about that. Yeah. They've got one. Feel free to use it. Why does a squirrel swim on its back to keep his nuts dry? Hey, Job done. Yeah, that's great. That's great stuff. I really like cheeky. that. A little bit cheeky, but just enough. Something from your own set, in fact, isn't it, rather? <laughs> But you know what I mean, because there's the expectation yeah. on the youngsters. Yeah. So Katie was always good at maths and everything. She's brilliant, actually. And so she went to Cambridge and then she did all her degrees there and then she did a PhD there. But point is, she's 31 now. And now I love the fact that she can choose. She's just set up a, a startup company for a factory to be built in space. Don't, um, it's complicated. You really do. You don't really understand what she's doing, do you, Carol? No, <laughs> no, no. Well, I do. Oh, you do? But, um, it's how to explain it because it's quite complicated. Right, fair enough. It's about <laughs> manufacturing protein crystallization in space in low Earth orbit. So there we go. Absolutely, yeah. If my protein's not crystallized, I'm not happy. <laughs> Are you annoyed, Rob, that someone's got there first? Because that was your plan for retirement, yeah, wasn't I mean, it? I've been thinking about. I've actually been trying to crystallise carbohydrate. There's not a demand for it. That's terrible. I've got a factory up there pumping out crystallised carb. No one wants it. Can't sell it. Yeah, but what I love is that she can do that, and there's no criticism of that. Now it's mm. something to be admired. Yeah. Whereas yeah. you know, all my life. Yeah. Well, the response would be, "Who's got the kids?" Then back in the day, it'd be like, "Well, look, if you're doing that, who's got the kids?" Oh gosh. Awful, awful, yeah. awful. And also, there was no expectation on fathers yeah. to do anything with the children other than do yeah. like the good bits, yeah. you know what I mean? So, yeah. whereas I love it now because where I live in Bristol, in Clifton, mm. do you like it? Oh, very nice. Lovely, Clifton. isn't it? Very I nice. Love it. The love vibe Clifton. is just so yeah, like, very nice. oh, relaxed and lovely. Mm. And, yeah. But there are a lot of couples your sort of age with young kids here now, whereas it used to be older people and children. Mm. It's now got this lovely vibe. And what I love is that, you know, when I'm walking around all the time, is you see a lot of the young fathers like yourselves with their kids actually you know, happily going and taking them for a walk or yeah. pushing the push chair or, you know, with the old, what do you call them? Like, I call papoose. them papoose. Papoose. A papoose. Is it a papoose? Yeah. 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 It's a lovely word. That, yeah, it? it is a papoose. A papoose. Yeah. And I love to see that because that wouldn't have been done even, yeah. you know, when my kids were young, that wasn't a thing. I like it. Yeah. I love younger generations because I love their freedom and I love like their attitude to life. It's just... You know, the whole love is love. It's like, 
and you know oh my best friend's gay and it's yeah. not even a subject matter whereas our lot yeah. you know my age group it's oh god you've got to judge people you've got to do this you can't yeah. <laughs> it's hard it's tiring being judgmental <laughs> And, uh, God, it must be exhausting. All those people, those like principles. Well, it's a, you know, people go, oh, it's a principle. Don't have principles. So much easier. I'm principleless. I'm with you, Dan. I'm so with you. Yeah. Life's too hard work to have too many things that annoy you, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it? But anyway. And people get weighed down by stressing themselves out. There's that quote, which is, uh, um, angels fly because they take themselves lightly. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And if you do that, life's a lot easier rather than trudging around. They always look like they walk heavy, angry people. Yeah, they do, don't they? Yeah. I can't be asked with it. I just can't be asked. <laughs> anyway, so it's lovely now, and I think I'll be a good nana, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think you'll be great. You've got a zest for life, like so few people. Really? Yeah, I think so. Like that, it's so rare that someone says, I really like younger people. <laughs> <laughs> it's so rare that you hear that. It's rare. You're, you just say, oh, the next generation are a disaster. They're awful. Oh, when you see that in certain newspapers, you know, and columnists who really should get out more saying, oh, it's terrible. And they think this, I think it's bloody brilliant that they're, you know, like Cameron's yeah. age group. So in their 20s. And they go, oh, yeah. and they're so lazy. They're not lazy. They've had to work a lot harder for their bloody GCSEs and A-levels than we ever did. Mm. You know, they're not this. They're not all these things yeah. that people say they are. And also it's like this, uh, oh, and they don't want to work hard because they, they only want to work five days a week. <laughs> Hello? That's wise? <laughs> yeah. That's <is> actually <laughs> wise? Like my, you know, so yeah. we were uh, the Thatcher generation, you know, so I was 18 when Thatcher came to power and it was all the time. Do you know the word yuppie? Yes. Yeah, yeah, of course. We're not that young. We're not young. Del boy, isn't it? Young, young upwardly mobile. Um, professional something or other, wasn't it? Higher, fire and perspire. Yeah. Yeah. So we were the generation of being the yuppies, I suppose. So my husband, Paddy, worked in London. It was the first time really that I'd sort of gone down there. And it was the whole, you know, oh, well, I work six days a week, like 14 yeah. hours a day. Yeah. And others go, well, I work eight days a week. You know, I work like 27 oh, hours yeah. a day. Sleep and, is for losers and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And all that absolute crap. And then when people started getting, I mean, I you know, worked hard, probably too hard. And then as we got started getting to like the age of 30, one after one, they were going down like dominoes, you yeah. know, oh, I've had to be in hospital for a week with burnout, you know, and all that yeah. kind of thing. Whereas now it's like, come on, what is life about? Yeah. And that's what I love, you know, what is it that would give me the happiest life and where I can help people, which apparently is called being woke and is a bad thing, according to, <laughs> you know, many other <laughs> What can I do to help? <laughs> Can I ask you about uh, a very progressive part of your life? Yeah, go on. Which I've talked to you about, well, not me personally. I was there when you talked, we were on Radio 2 together. You talked to Zoe Ball about your... We were on with Zoe, weren't we? Yeah, yeah about uh, your relationship status and how you run that. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also, I mean, got partly to do with kids. So I, I don't want to settle down again mm. at the moment i mean it might be different when i'm 75 i might think actually i can put yeah. up with someone but at the yeah. moment that's not what i want to do <laughs> can't get up the stairs it'll be quite good something to lean on <laughs> yeah, exactly. eight o'clock every night <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
that time is to come, yeah. but it's not for now. So what I have done for, oh my God, well over 10 years is I use a system which I call my special friends. Sure. So they are men. I really like, really like me. And then, you know, we have an extra bit of whatever, whenever, and everyone's single. Yeah. That, that's a key part of it. And everyone's a, a, on board with the setup. On board with it. And and it's just nice. Yeah. Because, you know, some I see more often than others. and But they're like interesting people who I really like anyway. They'd just be friends. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to have an argument about buying a new fridge with. Oh, God, no. It's just a joy. I think we should get the Zanussi. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot you hate Zanussi, Rob. We don't want to get oh, into that. Oh, yeah, don't get me started on that. That and Smeg. Has he had a problem with his ice cube makers? No, no, I've got no issues with Zanussi. I just picked it because it was a funny word. But that was it. <laughs> thought it would get a bigger laugh. Funny words are funny, though, aren't they? Yeah. Well, yeah, sometimes it just you pick the funniest one. I liked when you picked up on papoose yeah. as a good word. Yeah, I love a good word. Gusset is a funny word. That's a good Gusset. word. That's it. It's a good just word. a funny word. <laughs> Yeah. But they're lovely words. And it is about that, like, Zanussi is a funny word, isn't it? Yeah. It's just funny. Yeah, if you've got to pick one, Smeg and Zanussi, Smeg. if you're trying to pick a fridge. Yeah. yeah, but I think Smeg's almost too much of a comedy word. Do you know what I mean? Like, Zanussi's... A... Yeah, Smeg's too loaded. Yeah, yeah. So Zanussi, if I said, like, a Samsung fridge... Yeah, it's not as funny. That's not as funny. It's just not the same hit as Zanussi. No, we had zero reaction from us. Exactly. Exactly. Actually, you judged me even though I was using it as an example. I respect that. Do you pass, do you turn you into words and numbers? So did you pass a lot of learning onto your kids? Like, were you into that kind of thing? Yeah, I've just got to the point, well, no, I've always been the same, actually. I'm interested in the things that I'm interested in. Mm, yeah. And I'll pursue those literally to the ends of the earth. But then there are some things I've just not remotely into. And then over the years, I've thought, right, okay, be civilised about this, Carol, like pursue an interest in classical music. And then I'll do something for like five days and I think, nice. I'd rather like go and watch loud aircraft because that's what I'd rather do. Yeah, you're into air travel. Uh, or I'd love to go and see a car race. You've got a flying licence, haven't you? Yeah. So... Much as so where would you go for loud aircraft, by the way? Sort of just near to the airport and listen. No, I tell you. So uh, air shows. I've been around the world to air oh. shows. And it's great because I love screaming. I really fucking love screaming, right? It's something about <laughs> screaming. Just walk through Lewisham late at night and rather than going around. Which is like, <laughs> it's a joy. Yeah. And you can, when they're allowed aircraft, you can really, really go, which is why I like going to like rugby games, you know, big, Big games, big events. I love that where yes. you can just like let rip, and nobody hears you. Yeah, you don't get that at the proms, do you? No, I did go to the Albert Hall. Again, this isn't like going oh classical music for the thing. No, no. It just is for me. It's just not your thing. It's just not my thing. So I went once, and you know where they finish. Oh right, I'm going to trip myself up with the words here. They finish one bit of what they're performing, yeah, and then obviously yeah. they all have to go. And I'm like. Oh, amazing, amazing. And that's the bit where you're meant to be completely silent. <laughs> yeah, the fake endings in songs as well. Yeah. They build it up like it's done. And I'm on my camera like, oh. No. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, Vorderman was in making a show of herself again with her shouting. Oh, I know, I know, being judged. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so now I just do the things that I like. And luckily my kids 
you know, Katie particularly, I suppose, with the science and everything, we like the same things. So that's good. And what does Cameron do? Did he go down an academic route as well? No, because Cam was, uh, well, he did in the end, but Cam was um, a special educational needs child. So he was literally off the scale dyslexic, off the scale ADHD. I don't think he's on the spectrum, but he might be. We don't know. And uh, so when he was about six, there wasn't a school that would take him really. So I eventually, yeah, I eventually, because what happens is when they're like that, you know from when they're young. Yeah. That there's something yeah. that isn't the same as with other children yeah. uh, with the learning. So I would go through, um, you know, when they're dead young and you do the phonics. Yeah. And uh, yeah. You go, so it's like muh for mummy. It's not M, is it? It's yeah. muh, yeah. And I get him to write it, you know, like almost a hundred times muh, say muh, muh. Mirtha Mummy. And then literally five seconds later, and there would only be one letter on the sheet of paper. And they go, and what's this letter? And he'd look at me and go, eh? <laughs> no, or ah? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, or it was, just wasn't registering. And I knew, I, I thought, well, I can take him out of school and I can homeschool him and give up my work and all of that. But then I knew that I didn't have the skills to teach a child with special yeah. educational mm. needs because there's a particular way of teaching him. So in the end, I found a place called Fairley House. We lived in central London then for about five years. And he went there. Mm. All right. And that changed him. And was that a special educational needs kind of institution? Yeah, but it was a private school. So it's a passion of mine, really, because kids who are in the state system, and there was a piece out yesterday, you know, 60% of them aren't getting any SEN care now because the budgets have been slashed so much. Yeah. So he eventually went to another school, and I kept them in the private system, but he was bullied. A lot of these kids are bullied a lot. But eventually he went to, uh, he did his GCSEs, then he did his A-levels, he didn't do brilliantly in them. But then he went to a local in Bristol now, like a tech, we used to call yeah. it a tech. Yeah. And he went there for two years, got a distinction. With that, he went to uh, University West of England, UE, yeah, we yeah. call it, in Bristol, yeah. Yeah. and got a first in animation. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then he went up to Dundee and got his master's in video effects. Oh, so wow. he works in that kind of area. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. But it just takes longer for those children yeah. mm. to get through the system because the system is not, you know, education is my passion. Yeah. And the system just yeah. is not built. The system is built for a particular kind of child, Yeah, which is the majority yeah. yeah, but it's not built for them. I was not that child. And I, I went to a state school and it was weird because I'm, well, I'm 10 years older than Cameron, but there wasn't really a name for it apart from yeah. he's not very good at reading. And so I'd be taken off for special reading lessons, which is already marks you out as you have to go over there. Yeah. And what, what I found, even then I found the grading was the book was so big. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like... Yeah. I can see the words. Yeah. I just don't know what they mean. Yeah. I don't just fucking make them think that. I just remember this massive fucking book. You look like, you know the things you put in car windscreens in Spain so they stop getting off? Yeah. What's that, that? With Biff, Chip and Kip written as big as me head. And I said, well, I know that because I know it's Biff, Chip and Kip. And then I, what I used to do is, because I couldn't read it, I'd make up the story. I'd look at the pictures and make up a story and then they're like, oh, that's not the words and all that. And then it just turns into an argument. But in the state system, there's not really much. I think it must have got better, but there's not much allowance for that kind of thing. Yeah. Because what it is, I think there's that thing where people say, oh, because it's like that, they're not intelligent. 
but that's not the case. There's it's intelligence, not the case. but you can't express it the way you want to because the system designed for the majority of people. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're labelled as thick, and then you tell yourself you're thick, even though you're not. Yeah. You just can't express yourself. I found a way to express myself in stand up, and because I couldn't read very well, I used to struggle with reading out loud. That was my biggest fear and stuff. Anyway, so I wrote a book about class called A Class Act, and I wrote it all myself, no ghostwriter. And the whole thing's about trying to tell myself I can write it and don't listen to that voice telling you you can't. And it went well, wrote it, and I loved it. And I went and did the voiceover for it, had a complete panic attack because I had to read it out loud. Seriously? But I thought I'd sort of yeah. dealt with it. But then I got, I went away, calmed myself down, and did all my breathing. And I can feel myself, even now, getting triggered by it slightly because. It's something that affected me. But just by doing that, it enabled me to go back in and calm myself and do it. But it was a real, I was battling against a 35 year narrative of you're thick, that's not for you. Yeah. Which is not true. It's just something your brain tells you and you've been told as a kid. So I think talking about it more now, and like you say with Cameron, he's managed to go off. And if you're luckily, you know, for you guys, and also you're a great parent, he got access to different education. But yeah. potentially, if he'd been born into a different family, he may not have had that access to those things to enable him to get to where he's got, which is, you know, finding something he's passionate about and being really good at it and excelling. But yeah, there's definitely a gap between different school systems and the support they offer massively. There is. It's something, you know, in 2010, I built an online school called The Maths Factor. Mm. It's still running now. So it's for primary school kids. And it works. It just works. So they have like an Auntie Carol video and then it's all very colourful and all this. They have like little avatars and then they have to do their practice and blah. But I found, so in the first lockdown, you know, when the schools were fundamentally closed, weren't they? And we went free. So we used to be £2 a week. We're now Mm. £1 a week. But we went free to everybody and we had half a million children registered with us during those like four or five months And the number of special educational needs children who just came alive to maths because of it made me realise that I'd put a lot of what I'd learned about teaching Cameron into it. So don't miss out a single step. Yeah. You know, don't assume that kids know what you're doing. Point it out and the visual learning is key, I think, for kids with SEN. So it did get better, Rob, because I've, I've done a lot with various governments over the years with education and it got better and now it's a lot worse because of funding right, yeah. Yeah. a lot worse now yeah yeah and it's hard for parents you know sometimes mm. these kids are waiting up to two years just for um you know an analysis to say yeah. they need extra lessons yeah. uh, was it difficult as well for you, you because you obviously you've got one child who's naturally yeah. into it and away and it's your eldest child and you're like but and then for poor Cameron he's not only having to deal with this he's looking at a sort of a one percent kind of academic individual goes off to Cambridge you know that sort of yeah. elite it's quite a jump isn't it and difficult for yeah. confidence when you're seeing that happen in a house yeah and I think it's difficult for parents you know that is a parenting hell yeah. You know, I was a kid who just went to school and, and it just all went in uh, super bright and went off, you know, a year early and all of that. And Katie was similar. Mm. So it was like, uh, and Paddy, their father, my husband, was is super bright. So it was like, uh, well, I don't understand. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't understand. Obviously, over the years, I've learned an mm. awful lot. And it's a bit of a passion now. Yeah, yeah, of course. Because I understand just how difficult it is. And that is a parenting hell when you have no experience and you have no help with it. 
because you love this child so much, you know, you want to swap places with them. You know, you want to go through the hell for them. Yeah, yeah you know, of course. You don't want them to suffer in any way, but but you can't. Yeah. And you don't know what to do. And some some of the parents themselves had the same problems. Yeah. So they wouldn't know how to help because they didn't get it sorted themselves. Yeah. My dad didn't read a book till he was like 38. My mum gave him the eight, really? eight, the book of Adrian Mole. You know, so like it was sort of like, you know, he still writes in capital letters. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. Yeah. and stuff like that. So it's sort of, it is difficult. So is it genetic or is it random, these special educational needs? It's partly genetic. Yeah. It's partly genetic. I think mm. dyslexia, they say. But, you know, they go, oh, well, you know, whatever the percentages of the day are dyslexic. But there's a huge range of it, Rob, as you yeah, know. Yeah, of course. From people who might reverse a B and a D, yeah. for yes. instance, you know, because they look similar, but it changes on the paper. And to someone who just, the letters are just dancing in yeah. front of yeah. them. And there was... Um, so Cam, it's really interesting because he, he goes online now and there are all sorts. And he came up with and showed it to me. I'll try and send it to you, actually, a link to something. And it was somebody explaining what it's like to be dyslexic. So it says, here is, and it's just like a little video. Here's mm. a paragraph. And I can't remember the subject, but it, let's say it was, oh, I went to town to do some shopping. La, la, la. It's yeah. pretty simple stuff. And it was about three sentences. And then it just said, and this is what I see. And the letters were jumping round, literally. Uh-huh. And the words were reversing. They were all in the same sequence, yeah. if you know what I mean. But they were, I don't like, Jesus. <laughs> Whoa. And Cam said, yeah, that's what I see. Wow. That yeah. is what I see. So what, what does he do now to read? Does he still see that? Or has he learned techniques to stop it? Or how's it? Um, it's always about strategies. Everything is about strategies. Even with ADHD, he forgets people's names, mm. right? He can't remember people's yeah. names, which I know is relatively common, but as an example. So he has a whole technique. If you see someone in the street of what he asks them to get clues as to who they are and how yeah. he would remember oh, them. Wow. But it's, Strategy, strategy, strategy. And he's really brilliant at it. I think he's going to put some online, actually. Because they're just simple. But you must have that, Rob, the strategies. Yeah, so if I meet someone, I'll be... um... You're incredible with names, Rob. Like, when we did live shows, you knew everyone's name in the audience at the moment. When you come back to someone, you knew all of them. So I can't take instruction at all. So if someone sits me down and explains, this is what we're doing today... I'm looking at them and I'm trying so hard, but it just sort of flies through my head and out. Yeah. Whereas if you show me, if you physically show me or there's an image of it, yeah. I can take it from that. So yeah. if I meet someone, I'll like add something. So if I met Josh today, I'll be like, Josh, red and right stripe, Josh, red and right stripe, Josh. So that what I've done is put in the image of Josh, not the name of Josh. So when I think of Josh, I think of a man in that red and blue top there, sat there. Yeah. And I, oh, that's Josh because yeah. I've attached it to something. So for you now, I'll just think of Carol books and all the books because yeah. there's all those Britannia books behind all you. And it's quite a striking yeah. image. Yeah. yeah. So that when I'm thinking of your name or I've see you again, I'll see you. But then I'll see the books come behind you, as it were, in my mind when I meet you again and stuff. Yeah, I understand. So, yeah, I, I, and when, if, if I try and understand anything... I create a visual image of it, which I think helped me in stand-up because to try and make a joke get over the line, yeah. you're painting a picture of what you're doing and how you're doing it and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. So I paint a lot of pictures. So when I'm 
doing crowd work, I'll see someone and I'll get their name and I'll remember what they said and what they're wearing and where they're sat. So in a gig, it's great because they don't move. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know where they are, you know, and stuff like that. So yeah. but a lot of mine is just coping strategies I didn't realise I was doing that is basically winging it. So like, you know, I don't really... If I was too much of script, when I first started in award ceremonies and they had all the auto cue, yeah. that was hard. But then I'd sometimes just talk really quick or if I couldn't say a name properly, I'd say it quick and put a joke in at the end quickly and stuff like that. So a lot <laughs> of it was sort of charming my way out of it yeah. as opposed to directly dealing with it. But yeah, so you just have lots of different strategies and stuff. But there's so many different types of it. It's not just B&Ds getting swapped around or letters missing. It's sort of yeah. the way you take in information and, and process it and stuff. So. I find it fascinating. Just you describing that is, is really fascinating because your powers of visual memory are probably a damn sight higher than yeah. Josh's than mine. I'm awful at names, mm. but like in a gig situation. Yeah. yeah. So when we were doing the parenting hell gigs. But you're just not using a strategy, no. but I had to use a strategy because I'd know no one's name because I'm not listening most of the time. Yeah. Well, so we do the parenting hell gigs and Rob would bring up someone for the first half. He'd be like, well, you would say that Mary. And I'd be like, fuck, I can't <laughs> remember that person was called Mary for love nor money. Yeah. But then that's helped me in stand up because a lot of people go, how can you go out there without a script? I've never had a script because I never wrote it down and I don't write it down. Do you write anything down? No, nothing. So, so you're I've about got... to do a new show in, say, a year or two. What What? Does... Yeah, so I've got notes in my phone of things that maybe, like, for example, I took my cats to the vets and he went, I'm going to give him this injection. I said, what is it? He went, it's leukaemia, right? And I was like, why giving it leukaemia? <laughs> no, it's a vaccination, <laughs> okay, it's leukaemia. <laughs> if I give it to the cat, he won't have leukaemia. I was like, oh, how much is that? It was like 80 quid. I went, can I have it? You know, just in case. <laughs> just, it might work. You know, so I'll literally have a bit of paper cat leukaemia and I'll go out and just tell that story. And then over time I'll add to it, but it's all in my brain. I'll never write all of that out. You know, I've got routines, five, six, seven minute routines. And once I start it and I'm in the rhythm of doing it, I can just remember it all. Yeah. But that's because I couldn't read it off yeah. very well. So I've learned to remember it and deliver it. So when I go on stage now, I, I went on the gig for nine months. I had some stuff written on a bit of paper, but the gig went south as soon as I got the paper out. I'm better off in the moment going off the energy and just trying to connect with people and stuff. And it's obviously, it's not a fully formed routine, but it's getting away little moments that I think are funny. And then I remember them. So I, I don't have any paper, but that's because for me, holding paper in front of people and talking is my worst nightmare. Yeah. I'd rather yeah. walk out with nothing. If you said to me, I can sit in a hotel room for five hours now, and write out a 10 minute stand up set, or I can stand up, walk through a door, there's a room full of people, and I do that 10 minutes now, I'll take that option. Yeah. Fascinating. I'll go mad after five hours in a hotel. That would be my hell. Yeah. I'd say, please, please, I'd beg them to go on now wow. and do it rather than wait that five hours. And is that what's going on in the hotel room? No, what? Like, yeah, just <laughs> <laughs> After seven weeks, she's got no energy for the game. No, yeah, so writing something, I feel like I've got to do something. So I feel like I need to write all that out about or think about what to say. But I find that I'll just overthink it. I'll get anxious. I'll get stressed. I'll worry about it. And I do think as well, what I'm trying to achieve is a verbal media yeah. you know I'm, I'm talking so why would i write something down that i'm eventually going to say out loud it never needs to hit the paper yeah the closest i can get it from my brain to my mouth that's the link because i'm it's a conversation with the audience that they don't reply to so for me it feels odd to write something down that's going to be said eventually yeah you're adding a written element to something that's verbal so and i actually i deliver stuff better and create better stuff when i'm excited 
and feel like it's fun to do. But sitting for five hours waiting will just take all my energy away. And yeah, that's how I work. But every, everyone's yeah. different, you know. And are your kids, how old are your kids, Rob? Mine are seven and five, nearly eight and six in a couple of months. Have they shown any signs of dyslexia or anything like that? Not really. They seem to be fine. My eldest is slightly a bit more anxious and not super confident. But once she gets her confidence up or with the right people, she's full of beans. So I've noticed that slightly. But no, not really. And the youngest has only just started reception. So we've not seen it yeah. fully yet. But um, no, not really. They sort of seem to be on it at the moment. There's nothing that's sort of striking in that sense. But my, my youngest has definitely got an energy problem. <laughs> <laughs> that I've got where she's just like has to scream. Where my eldest has fun and messes about. But like... Like you, I think we might have a similar thing where I'd quite like go to an air show so I could just scream <laughs> as a jet went over to just as a release. Yeah, so, yeah like it's fascinating though. Like yeah. what I find with schools that the education system have written various reports about maths education and everything comes from the universities. So they go, right, if you're gonna study chemistry, you're gonna study maths, obviously, or engineering or whatever. The university decides what those kids need to have studied for A level. Mm. So that's how the kind of the A-level is set. So then they go, oh, the A-level, right. In order to do the A-level, this is what they must study at GCSE, including all the stuff that most kids never need, trigonometry, yeah. a mm. lot of simultaneous equations. Of course, you need all that if you're going to uni, but you don't need it if you're going up to age 16 and so on. So everything sort of tracks back. Yeah. from there and that I think is fundamentally wrong you know because yeah. kids are forced into doing stuff which actually is you know people say to me all the time why do I need to know you know the tangent to a circle is perpendicular to the radius you don't no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you I don't yeah. well, that's something yeah. I found so I was really good at maths like in my head yeah that was something I could do I could still do that sums really easily in my head and I remember getting to GCSE and thinking that it just doesn't doesn't relate to my life at all anymore. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Despite them making it the side of a cake that I'm measuring with these two triangles, yeah. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense in my life anymore. So that's when I, I moved into kind of artsy areas anyway, like English and stuff. But that was when I became quite kind of disinterested in it, I think. Yeah. And I think that's a lot, you know, with parents, I mean, talking about parenting hell, a lot of parenting hell comes from yeah. having to teach your kids maths yeah. in using yes. different sort of algorithms, really, different processes to find the same answer, you know, for subtraction, for instance. So, yeah. you know, ours used to be carry one, pay one back, we used to say, which meant yeah. 110, you know, if you're doing a, a, like a long subtraction. Whereas now there is decomposition. So they take the top number and they put a line through it and go, yeah. you know, Eight yeah. tens will split those into seven tens and one ten and all that. And parents go, yeah. eight maths anyway. And now I don't even know what they're doing. And the child always goes, we don't do it like that anymore, you know. And it becomes, yeah, I yeah. know this because like thousands and thousands of parents over the years have told me this, it becomes a hell. Yeah. Well, luckily for me, Lou's a history teacher and I just tap out. I go, you're a teacher. <laughs> you are literally, you've only done history in secondary school. I'm like, yeah, I know, but then you're surely, you're closer to it than me. <laughs> you know, come on, take this I'm out. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I love that you two are doing this show. 
I wow. love it. I mean, and it's funny. And obviously all the things you go, oh my God, I had to go to the park. Oh my God, I had to do that. But yeah. it is a thing. And particularly like you just said, Rob, you know, your wife had a career, Josh, the same. You know, mm. it's like women have careers. People have houses and yeah. kids and everything. And both parents are largely full-time working now, which is you're the first generation where that's happening. Yeah. You know, that wasn't the case in my generation. So it was like all these things to learn, you know, new things Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. I was going to ask as well, like you've got such a sort of positive outlook and sort of like not only like positive about stuff, but you're like, you move with the times and very modern thinking rather than like, no, this is the way we should do it and stuff like that. And yeah. I feel like you were treated quite badly by the press. Like when, when you moved on from Countdown yeah. and stuff like that, it almost felt like, cause you were the first sort of, one of the first sort of famous women on telly yeah. to sort of be on telly and be famous and have a proper skill yeah. rather than just being that classic, like, here's the lady that brings on the part. You were <laughs> yeah. doing something that needed an expert brain to do. And it was almost like the press was a little bit suspicious and annoyed with you for that. And then when you moved on, it was like they sort of were like, ah, now she, we've got her almost. Like, nah, <laughs> now she's gone and someone else is coming in. And it always struck me, it was very quite graceful and gracious in that moment. And like you say, you, you cracked on me for other stuff. You do loads of telly. Yeah. You've got your maths courses and yeah. things like that and have continued to have a brilliant career for the last 15 years since you've not been on it like how did you find that especially as like you know like as it was a career woman and, and they were sort of jumping on you as, as and stuff like did that affect you yeah i did find it hard mm. but again it's like you know it, the ageism for want of a, a nicer word yeah. but it's rife in my generation it's still rife in my generation but what we have now. So when I was 39, I, I talk about this a lot actually in the year 2000 as an example. So in this yeah. century, the year 2000, yeah. I was age 39 and I went to the BAFTAs and I wore a short blue dress and it was all over mm. front pages everywhere. You know, oh my God, oh my God. And it went on for about a year. The BBC made a special Kilroy about it. Daily Mail, obviously, you can imagine. The question was not, yeah. should somebody wear a blue dress? The question was, it was quite, wasn't that short, but it was, a you know, the question was, should a woman of 39 wear a dress above the knee? Bloody oh, hell. my God. That's in the year 2000. That's, That's not like my mother. Because you were so famous, though. You were just used as anything, oh, women are doing something different now, and you were used as the poster woman of it because you were there. Yeah. So all of that, and then, oh, all sorts of nonsense headlines that they just make up. Oh, my God, it's just a blue dress. It's not even... Yeah, it was above the knee. So it was like, and... Oh, my I know. God. So what I found now in the last... Like, talking about special friends, for instance, if I'd done that five or yes. ten years ago, I, I mean, I still am called all sorts, <laughs> but I would have been called 
in the headlines, you know. Like cuckoo, crazy. Oh, uh, well, worse. Crazy far woman. worse, yeah. far, yeah. far worse. Yeah. But what I love now is, you know, being in my 60s, is that there are generations below now yeah. who go, oh, yeah. you know, let her do what she wants. Yeah. Whereas yeah. when I was younger, those generations didn't exist. That was a middle finger for Vorderman to the listeners, just so they know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because yeah. I can't see it. Oh, it was a very aggressive middle finger. It was very impressive. <laughs> yeah. With a fully painted nail. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> written on it. <laughs> so what I love now is that younger generations, like your own, go, why not? Yeah. yeah. You're not harming anyone. But that didn't exist. That generational thought didn't exist when I was younger. So yeah. that's why I... I mean, you know, from my 50s onwards, I love it because I've got people in the world now who think like I do rather than always yeah. being a bit, you know, my my ambition was to be a, an RAF fighter pilot. That was all I ever wanted to be, but women yeah. weren't allowed to be, you know, until I was well in my 30s and obviously too old by then, but it was how it was. And that's yeah. what's so joyful about it now, which is one of the reasons now why I'm forever in the gym. I've still got my gym kit on now. Yeah. And I, I'm really into like health. And one of the reasons is that I enjoy like the company I have now more than I did back then. And I've always had a good time, mm. but I feel freer now than I've yeah. ever, ever felt. Really. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, which I love. Thanks so much, Carol. Oh, it's been a joy. I genuinely speak so brilliantly and we've had such a good conversation. This is the first time we've ever not seamlessly put in the plug. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Which is your own fault for being too good a conversation, Carol. <laughs> your new quiz book, Perfect Ten. Just tell us about that. Perfect Ten. Before I tell you about that, just one thing, going back yeah. to yeah. you, Rob, and dyslexia. Did you know there's a very famous Sunday Times journalist called A.A. Gill? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. So A.A. Gill was you know, known as, as a sort of superlative critic, yeah. wasn't he? And super, and I mm. mean, he slagged us off all the time, but he did it using such wonderful language, he kind of didn't mind. Yeah. Um, I met him years and years and years later, and he he sort of took one step back as soon as he saw me because he, he thought I was going to hit him for all of the bad stuff he'd written about. <laughs> yeah. Quite the opposite. And he said, oh... I read about your son. So this was years and years ago. Mm. I went, oh, yeah. He said, I'm dyslexic. I'm hugely dyslexic. And we we used to talk on the phone. A.A. Gill couldn't write. He physically yeah, he couldn't, couldn't write. He used to phone through his copy really? to someone, didn't he? He used to phone his copy through. He said, I've had the same PA for over 20 years. I phoned the copy through. I've never met her. <laughs> yeah. I phone the copy through. She types it up and that's what I send. And that was A.A. Gill. Wow. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. That's incredible. Quite amazing. That's amazing. I yeah. never knew that. So anyway. once again, you've managed to stop your book being plugged here, Carol. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's a book that you can't Perfect see. Perfect 10. Come on, quiz book. Perfect 10. Talk us through it, Volders. Okay, so... <laughs> um, 
in January, I began a new podcast, which I spent about a year with our little team putting together because it wasn't a big quiz podcast. Yeah. And we thought, oh, mm. pub quizzes and general knowledge and all of that. Anyway, we tried a few different pilots last year and I was going, nah, nah, it's not right. It's not right. So we came up with Perfect 10. It's 10 different kinds of questions. So one of the rounds is a memory round where you listen to about 30 mm. seconds of stuff. Then I ask you a question. One's a riddle. One's are like audio clips and you've got to mm. get the well-known phrase or saying from that. Oh, all really? of that kind of thing, yeah. right? Or karaoke, which is you hear a little bit of a song and then I'll ask you a question about the next line in the song. Yeah. So it's not right. general knowledge. It's not like the chase will be and all those other huge shows. Yeah. yeah. So the podcast came out and it's now, I believe, I'm told, number one in leisure, number one in games. There we go. Nice. And number two in mental health. Oh. Oh. I know. All the other ones are fucking droning on though, isn't it? This one's a bit of fun. <laughs> <with> karaoke. <laughs> karaoke, exactly. <laughs> What's the podcast called Perfect 10? It's called Perfect 10. 10 questions, 10 perfect answers, all done in 10 minutes. Oh, oh yes, please. That's my kind of podcast. But Beckett's on board. Exactly. You're kind of good. And it's a different one, Monday to Friday. I'm on there. I'll have that and walk in the dog. I'll smash her a week <laughs> on that walk. So the book, which is out in September is that basically it's lots and lots of quizzes and it gives you a few bits of detail after but it's a hardback and i think a lot of people want to buy it as christmas presents and so on do you know what that is stop listening now teresa watts that's what you're getting for christmas <laughs> My that is absolutely nailed on she'll love that she loves a good quiz yeah it's a good quiz carol it's been an absolute joy to talk to you oh thanks carol so much thank you so much for doing it Oh, and you too. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Carol. Good luck with the book. Thank you so much. Thank you. Lots of love. Carol Vorderman there. What a woman, Rob. Oh, I love Vorders. I knew I loved her before, but now I'm in love. Oh, just a great, great human being. Love her. Yeah, she's great. She's good value as well. She's so carefree and chilled out. Great value. Got a bit serious in the middle, though, which yeah. I think is good sometimes, isn't it? I loved it. I loved it. Genuinely, Rob, it was brilliant hearing you chat like that. And I always thought it would take Carol Vorderman to pull that out of you. <laughs> um, that was great, though. Thank you very much for listening, guys. And we'll see you next time. Get yourself Perfect 10. Perfect 10. See you then. Oh, it rhymed. All right, bye. <laughs>